Hello, welcome to Heritage Church. We are so glad that you are joining us for worship today. As a church, we exist to connect people to God, to each other, and to their purpose. So if this is your first time joining us for service, or if you have any questions, prayer requests, or want to talk to one of our pastors, please go to heritageqc.com connect, and one of us on the pastoral team will contact you this week. For now, I'd like to invite you to raise your voice to make a joyful noise as we begin to worship God together. Would you sing with me? Well, good morning, Heritage. How you guys doing this morning? Come on, would you stand and clap with us? We're anticipating and excited to see what God's going to do in this space today. Let's worship Him together. Here we go. You guys know this one. Sing it with me. And I'm not ashamed of the gospel. The power of God lives inside of me. There is salvation now for everyone. To all who believe. You are the hope to the hopeless. Shining your light in the darkness. Breathing new life in creation. Till all eyes can see. Come on, sing. Mountains will shake, strongholds will break, oh, we can feel it. As we live too high, we come alive, we hear the say. We still believe. We still believe signs and wonders. Miracles happen in the busy streets. There is new life for the nation. Yeah, we still believe. You are the hope to the hopeless. Shining a light in the darkness. This is the church declaration. As we live too high, we come alive, we hear the sound of revival, revival breaking out, by the power of your spirit, by the power of your spirit. Come on, let's declare this together, here we go. Alive in us, Holy Spirit is here in this space and moving through us. Come on, let's declare this together. Here we go. Come on. That's it. God is alive in me. Holy Spirit inside of me. And all the authority. Come on. In Jesus' name. God is alive in me. Yeah. Holy Spirit inside of me. All the
Awesome. Well, good morning, Heritage. How are you? It is great to be with you this morning. It is just so, so awesome to be with you this morning. Hey, uh, for those of you who haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, or if you're brand new to Heritage, I just want to say welcome. It's great to have you here. My name is Chris. Uh, I am serving as the interim pastor here for a couple months. Just wanted to give those of you who call Heritage home uh, just a tiny bit of an update. Um, some of you have been walking through this process with us uh, concerning the, the process of, of getting a new senior pastor. And I just wanted you to know that the pastor profile, that everything actually went live this week on our website. So if you go to Heritage's website, you can actually see there where people can begin to apply for the position. Um, and so that's where we are in the process. Um, and we have a great search team that's going to be working really, really hard, and the board's going to be joining with them in that process. So I'm really excited about that. But the process has officially begun. So for those of you who are sick and tired of the guy who should be on Ridland and is not, the, the time clock is finally ticking, okay? Um, and again, I have no idea. I, I've said publicly May 31st. Um, it would be a nice transition time. I, I hope that happens. Uh, it might be before that. It might be a little bit after that. I don't know. But that's kind of what we're shooting for sometime around the, the end of May is kind of what we're thinking. Now, I don't know. Um, we'll go on from that. I don't know how many of you noticed this really nice, gentle guy up here who is playing bass guitar. Uh, his name is Matt Fry. He's just a, a neat, neat guy. And uh, you might have heard him preach at the end of December. He preached here, and he's a man. He, I call Matt the Renaissance guy because he can do so many different things. He can play so many different instruments, and he can do video stuff. But he also has a lot of fun making fun of me. Um, and, and so I just wanted to show you some pictures. Uh, he took that picture on the right-hand side while I was preaching at the other campus at Bettendorf about, a, I don't know, maybe six weeks ago. I have no idea what point I was making in my message at that point. No idea. Uh, but what's funny about it is that I, I had no idea that that picture even existed, except for the fact that I, um, I sent out uh, an email to my board, and Pastor Josh Howard, who is on staff here, uh, got that picture from Matt and then sent it out to my entire board. Um, and uh, and I, I mean, I, I don't need any help looking like an idiot. Like that comes really natural for me. Uh, and so someone on my board actually took that picture and they, they started Photoshopping it and doing different things. And they actually had me writing different things for that. And then Matt kind of got inspired and just went off. So uh, we're just going to flash through a couple more of these. This is, I don't have any, <laughs> that, when my, when I showed my kids that, that freaked them out. I want you to know, it's just like, ah, like they had no idea. Uh, I think, yeah, I have, and the incredible <laughs> messages are too long. Okay. Uh, so yeah, we all know that's the case. I, that is, <laughs> that's someone who's got too much time on their hands right there is what that is. I, I, is that the last one? I'm kind of hoping that's the last one, but, um, Okay, we'll say that's the last one. So anyways, so thank you, Matt, very much uh, for your work. And we all know that uh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very comfortable with people making fun of me because here's the deal. Here's the deal. Uh, if you can't laugh at yourself, uh, then the problem is, is that you don't recognize that everybody else is already laughing at you anyways. Um, so you might as well just get comfortable in your own skin enough to know that people are laughing at you and with you. Now, now here's, here's what's interesting. Uh, so... My wife, uh, we're getting into what I think God wants to say to us in the next few minutes. So here's the deal. My wife, and again, I married way over my head. I am so in love with my wife. I can't even begin to tell you. And uh, <laughs> Mary 
Mary, Mary is uh, deathly afraid of any scary shows. So law and order, absolutely not. Uh, my brother one time really pigeonholed her very well when he said, Mary, you basically don't like any show or any movie with anything in a minor key in it. Now, those of you who hear a musical, you get that. Like, if there's any scary music, Mary's out. Like, it's just not her thing. And therefore, our two daughters have kind of been raised in that, so they don't like anything scary either. Which means then, as the man of the house, uh, I now, the, the good thing is, is that Mary grew up in a home with three older brothers, all of whom played football. So Mary came from a football family. And so basically in my home, if you're going to watch anything on television, it's going to be football or HGTV and, and the Food Network. Now that's basically it, okay? And so as a result of that, uh, I have watched so much HGTV in my life, much more than I care to tell you. And, and HGTV or the Discovery Channel or now the Magnolia Channel has so many of these before and after home stories on it, right? It's like, this is what our house looked like beforehand, and now this is what our house looks like afterwards. Like, you've probably seen more shows like that than you want to see. Uh, maybe some of you have escaped up to this point in your life. You haven't watched any of those. Maybe for you, it's the before and after the restoration of a car or the restoration of something else. Um, my father, when I was a kid, my father bought a 1965 Mustang convertible and restored it. Um, and, and so I got to watch kind of that thing. And I, I know, spoiled brat, I get it. They actually gave that car to me when I, was, uh, when I graduated from high school. So that was my car when I graduated from high school, which was really, really cool until I went to college. And I, I couldn't keep the car up like I really wanted to. So I said, you guys keep the car for a few years till I get into like real adulthood, like making money. And then I want to take the car from there. And the, the stupid parents sold the car out from underneath me. Um, and uh, so I, I don't have that car anymore, but we all know what a before and after story looks like. Now, here's the deal. Why am I bringing that up? I'm bringing that up because there would be some people who walk into church and who are very, very convinced that there are people here who think that they've got, or they just assume that everybody here has got their life all together, that their life is perfect. When they walk into a place like Heritage for the first time, they assume that all of us kind of got our act together, and, and they're just trying to figure out, is anybody here real? Is anybody here vulnerable? Is anybody here legit? Now, I just want to ask a really honest question. Can we, can we be honest with each other this morning, yes or no? How many of you would be willing to say that you're right now living out a story that is a before and after story? And it's the before Jesus story and it's the after Jesus story. And, and imagine, if you will, that a person sitting right behind you is brand new at Heritage and they walked in here this morning thinking, my life is messed up. And I'm assuming that everyone around me has this perfect idealistic life and that their life has always been like that. How many of you would be willing to say to the person behind you without actually saying it to them, you know what? My life was a train wreck. There are certain areas of my life that are a train wreck. Before I came into a relationship with Jesus Christ and he has actually changed me, my life is being lived out a before and after life. How many of you would be willing to go on record to say, that is me? How many of you would be willing to go on 
on record to say, let me tell you, there are plenty of days in my life that I would not want to have shown on the big screen because I was not actually living a perfect life. How many of you would be willing to say that you have messed up at least once in your life and the rest of you are lying and you're in church, <laughs> right? And, and so here's the deal. We need, we need to recognize that. We need to recognize that our lives are this before and after story. Now, last week, Pastor Jeremiah beautifully started us in this series that we're in on the book of Ephesians. And this morning, we're going to pick up on that in Ephesians chapter 2. And I just want to read this. It's going to be up on the screen behind me. And I'm going to stop a couple of times. Paul is describing the before and after stories of many Christ followers. This is what he says. Once... You were dead because of your disobedience and your many sins. Now, how many of you are willing to raise your hand one last time and say, yep, that's me, many sins. Like, I can, I can relate to that, right? You used to live in sin, just like the rest of the world, obeying the devil, the commander of the, of the powers of the unseen world. He is the spirit at work in the hearts of those who refuse to obey God. All of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. By our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. Two of the most awesome words in all of Scripture are the next two words. But God. I could do a whole series of messages just on those two words. My life was a train wreck, but God. I was addicted and couldn't get free, but God. I was racked with absolute unforgiveness and anger and bitterness on the inside, but God. I had been sexually abused by someone or someones in my life, and I saw myself as an absolute slut and as unworthy, but God. I was raped by someone and was racked on the inside with all kinds of condemnation and anger and guilt, but God. I was an alcoholic and couldn't get free, but God. I was my own worst enemy and just saw myself as someone who was never going to do anything because I had a dad or a mom who kept telling me that I was never going to amount to anything but God. I had an ex-spouse that just took me through the ringer and racked my inner core of my confidence but God. Praise be to the God of heaven who takes us where we are but never leaves us where we are. And the Apostle Paul does a beautiful, beautiful job of describing who we were and then says, but God. He is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life. Say those words. He gave 
us life. Now make it more personal. He gave me. He gave me life. Amen? He gave me life. He gave me life when he raised Christ from the dead. It's only by grace that we've been saved. For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Jesus Christ, with Christ Jesus. That's a whole message in itself. I can't even preach this morning. So God can point to us in all future ages as the examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed. Our only part in this whole deal, the only thing you and I do is believe. If you believe, with, if you believe in your heart, Romans says, and if you confess with your mouth, it's all we have to do. God does everything else. And so as a result of that, we can't take credit for it. It's a gift from God. Salvation, oh, oh salvation is not a reward for the good things that we have done. Everything else you get in life, you earn. I get that. <laughs> I was talking to my wife yesterday because I was already here. So I was talking to her yesterday. She goes, yeah. She goes, our teenage daughters love me because I made sure that they did their chores this morning. Right? How many of you teenage kids wake up? Yay, I'm going to do chores today. I can't wait. I love my mom. I love my dad because they make me do chores. Woo, yes. That never happens, right? But the deal is, is that we, we work for everything we have. We earn everything we have. But when it comes to our relationship with God, we can't earn it. And yet, most people, if I were to walk into Starbucks, if I were to walk into Target, if I were to walk into Kohl's, if I were to walk into Sam's Club, if I were to walk into Costco, if I ask them, are you going to heaven? They would say, well, I hope so. And immediately what they would begin to think of was, well, I think God grades on a curve and I think I'm better than some other people. At least I'm not here. At least I'm not there. At least I haven't done this or that. And they assume that God grades on a curve. God doesn't grade on a curve. The truth of the matter is, is that it's his grace. It's his love. And, and we don't earn it. We can't earn our salvation. It is a free gift. Do me a favor. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's free. Go ahead. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's free. Because it is. It's free. We can't earn it. For we are God's masterpiece. He's created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we can do the good things that he planned for us long ago. And here's the deal. Each of us come at this passage from a variety of perspectives. Some of us, and I don't mean this meanly, but some of us are pretty convinced that we're pretty good people and that we've never done anything all that bad. Again, we kind of assume that God grades on a curve, so because of that, we're, we think we're pretty good. And, and unfortunately, we've deceived ourselves. And we're not the only ones who have done this. Religious leaders in Jesus' day did it. And so did people in the first century church. This is God speaking, and he says in the book of Revelation, you say I'm rich, I have everything I want. I don't need a thing. Hey, man, I'm good. I'm really good. Before God, I'm really good. And you don't realize that you're wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. In another letter that this guy who wrote Ephesians, a guy by the name of Paul, another letter he writes to some people that live in Rome, he says, everyone has sinned. Everyone. Even your, even that person that thinks that they're perfect has sinned. We all fall short of God's glorious standard. And the payment for sin is death. So there are some people, unfortunately, that come to this passage and say, well, I'm not all that bad. And the truth that matters is that 
we lovingly need a wake-up call and say we have sinned. And we may not be quote-unquote as bad as someone else, but the truth of the matter is that God doesn't grade on a curve. As soon as we sin, whatever it is, then we've separated ourselves from God and we need a road back and we can't get that road back on our own. But there's a second group of people who read that passage of scripture who have a different perspective. And that perspective is, is that they are convinced that, we're, that they're too far away from God's grace. That they're beyond either his ability or his willingness to forgive them. Now in Jesus' day, the most hated people, some of the most hated people of his society were tax collectors because they were traitors. They were Jewish people who had, been, who had sold their souls, if you will, to become a tax collector for the, for the Romans. And so Jewish people hated people that were their own that had sold their souls. So it's an interesting passage. Later, as Jesus left that town, he saw a tax collector. Everybody hated a tax collector. His name was Levi. And Levi was sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and, my, and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi immediately got up. The reason he immediately got up is because everybody hated him. And here's Jesus, this rising star, who's calling him out. He saw, oh my gosh, if Jesus is calling me out, I want to go. And so he left everything in that moment and followed him. Later that night, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as the guest of honor. Many of Levi's fellow tax collectors and all the guests also ate with him. But the Pharisees, the religious leaders of Jesus' day, and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus picked up the story. Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I've actually come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners and need to repent. One of the most amazing things about Jesus was how comfortable people who knew their life was a train wreck, felt comfortable around him. People who knew that they weren't perfect felt comfortable around him. Jesus was incredibly holy, but he was also incredibly inviting. Jesus was righteous, but he was incredibly forgiving. People wanted to be around him. He was incredibly powerful, but also incredibly kind. And the third perspective, when we read Ephesians 2, is that we've come to the place of humbly recognizing our need for God to forgive us. We realize that we're the cause of the separation that's taken place, so we've asked him to forgive us of everything we've ever done wrong. And now our experience is a whole new category of life that we would only have dreamed of before. So, this morning, I'm so excited about this. We have the privilege of hearing from one of our own a before and after story. And I'm so proud of her, so incredibly courageous. Would you do me a favor, would you welcome Chrissy to the stage? So Chrissy, would you come up, would you welcome her? You probably recognize Christy's because she has sung on the worship team uh, many, many times. And uh, Christy's a staff member at Heritage. Yes. And, um, and I'm just going to pray really quick and then we'll get into this. Okay? Let's do it. God, I thank you for your daughter Christy and I thank you for her willingness to share. 
And I pray that you would just speak through her now in the next few minutes. Open our, our, open our hearts and our minds to the things that you want to say to us through her, I pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Well, uh, when the pastors told me that they wanted me to share my testimony, I was super flattered and excited. And then they said that it was um, along to the Ephesians 2 chapter, and I was like, that makes sense. Um, if you haven't known me before today, uh, I was not this person that you see today. You might look up and see, you know, a worship leader. You might see a small group leader. You might see a church assistant. But if you told me 10 years ago that I would be up here sharing my story, sharing how Jesus just absolutely saved my life, I, I probably would have gotten mad at you. Honestly, I probably would have been upset. You see, I was, I was raised in a Catholic family. Um, I have an incredible family, super supportive, but I never really learned how to have that personal relationship with Jesus. Every time I went to him, it was always, why did you let this happen to me? I'm so ashamed that I did this thing. I never really felt like he was willing to save me. Just trauma after trauma, experience after experience, instead of running towards him, I only knew how to run away. That's all that I saw in the world was how to run away. And so I tried to hide from him many places, many, many places. Um, I remember as early as second grade, uh, I knew that I was depressed. I knew that I was a lot sadder than all of the kids that I was going to school with, and I never really felt like I fit in anywhere. And so to try and fill this God-sized hole in my heart, I did a lot of things. And um, I had to write this list down so that I wouldn't forget to tell you one of the things that I have done. So these are all the things um, that Jesus has saved me from. Uh, Self-harm. I was in seventh grade when I started self-harming myself. Um, shoplifting. Uh, I attempted suicide multiple times, which um, I will talk about more later. Uh, drugs, all throughout high school, a couple years after that. Um, sex, sexual acts with both men and women. Um, eating disorders, I've been on both sides of that spectrum. And witchcraft, uh, for a really good majority of my life. Um, my family was Catholic, we went to Mass every Sunday, but on my own I really I really kind of gave in to that new age belief of there's this other power out there, I know there is, um, and God isn't helping me, so where can I go for this help? Um, and it took me, yeah. took me to a really dark place. And I want you to tell about your suicide in just a second, but I, I want to stop there for just a second and say, I, I just can't. I can't help but think about how many people in this room that you are hiding, that you're keeping this little area of your life, and there's an eating disorder, or there's, you're having an affair, or you're addicted to porn, or you are self-harming, or there are suicidal thoughts, and, um, or you have children, or grandchildren that are going down those roads. And, uh, and that's, that's the first part of Ephesians 2. We just start going down those roads. 
And some of you, perhaps right now, you're watching someone that you dearly love go down that road. Some of you are going down that road yourself. And the reason we stop, and the reason we talk about this kind of stuff, and the reason I'm so proud of Chrissy and her courage is because we don't put this kind of stuff under the carpet. We want to say, we realize that this is what real people go through. And um, you didn't mention this, and I don't want to make a big deal out of it, but your parents got divorced when you were... Almost three. Three years old. Yeah. So there was this, this tear in your heart, in your spirit, Mm-hmm. And you just, and for whatever reason, the, the Catholic church that you grew up in didn't know how, or you, you couldn't figure out how to connect with God through that. And I'm not blaming the Catholic church, that's not my heart at all. Yeah. But so now it's you against the world. And you're trying to figure out how do I navigate all the emotions going on inside of me. And you're just trying to, you're just trying to medicate through all this mm-hmm. sexual stuff and drugs and all the whole nine yards. Yeah, so yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, that's okay. Um, What I think is harder than not believing in God and living in the world is believing that there is a God and believing that he doesn't want to save you. That is... um, That second group that we talked about a few moments ago. Yep, that's me. That was me right there. Um, And throughout this whole time, you know, I I had a loving church family, nothing against the church that I went to. They were always praying for me. I truly believe that all of those prayers that they lifted me up really saved me from, you know, not being able to complete the plans that I had for my life uh, so that God could complete his plan for my life. And so all of this culminated into my senior year of high school. I was just a couple months away from graduating. And... um, like I said before, from a very early age, from second grade, I knew that I, I, I knew that I didn't belong here. Um, that's really not the case. I know that now. But I had promised myself that if things didn't get better before I graduated high school, that I would make sure that I didn't graduate high school. And so um, in January of 2015, one night, I had the house to myself and um, overdosed. Um, I was... Uh, I had prescriptions for, you know, anxiety and depression, um, definitely abused those all the time. And so this one night, I just took everything that I had, and in a fit of rage, actually, there was this glass vase in my kitchen, and I smashed it on the kitchen floor, and then I just collapsed into this pile of glass, and um, just absolutely, just throwing a tantrum, instant regret. I just heard in my head, there could have been so much more. I wanted so much more for you. And then I blacked out. And um, I woke up 18 hours later in the ICU. And um, a guy came up to me with a clipboard. And he said, you can sign this paper and admit yourself into the mental hospital. Or I will get a judge to court order you to go there. Um, And at this point, this was my third attempt at my own life, and I was like, three is my lucky number. If I have tried this three times and God won't let me die, then he is not letting me die for a reason. Um, So I was like, okay, let's let's see this out. 
So for the next three years, really long time for me, for the next three years, I was in this weird limbo where I knew that I wanted to be alive, I knew that I had a purpose, but I didn't know what that was. And I still didn't have this personal relationship with Jesus. So I was going through all of these growing pains of learning these lessons that would eventually lead me to a place called Dayton, Ohio. I was living with a friend at a time at an apartment in East Moline, and she had some family that lived there. And um, her family was going through some health issues. I was here in the Quad Cities really wanting to get out, so I was like, all right, Madison, let's move to Ohio. So we moved to Ohio in the same town that her family lived in, and the house that we were renting right down the hill from this house was a little church called Risen Hope Church in Fairborn, Ohio. And every time I would leave the house, I would drive by this church, and I would hear, come inside, come say hi to me. I want to see you. I want to talk to you. I want to know you. I want you to know me. Every time I drive by this church, and I'm like, that's so weird. I lived in the Quad Cities for, you know, 20-something years. I've never felt this calling to a church like that before. But one Sunday, I woke up at like 10 o'clock. Uh, their service started at 10.15, so I put on some clothes, walked down the hill, and um, that was the first time that I really encountered Jesus. Uh, it was a little non-denominational church, very small. There were maybe like 30 people there, but you could feel the power of the Spirit in that room, and it was, I never felt something so powerful. I never felt so welcome. These were all broken, super broken people. If you don't know about Dayton, Ohio, there's a lot of drug abuse in Dayton, Ohio, and um, that was something that I was coming out of. So to be accepted by these people who kind of showed me the way, it was amazing. So that happened on a Sunday, and then that next Monday night, they had like a recovery service. I went there, gave my life to Jesus. Uh, right there, I went home. As Soon as I got home, I threw away, honestly, thousands of dollars worth of things that I didn't feel comfortable having in my house anymore. Uh, tarot cards, crystals, just anything that I could relate to my new age, my past life, threw it all away. And um, yeah, so I stayed in Ohio for another year after that, and they were just teaching me about Jesus, teaching me how to have a relationship. I'd already have the knowledge. I knew about the Bible, but I didn't know how to apply it to my life. And that is, that's what they started teaching me. So then um, about a year after that, I felt called back to the Quad Cities to be here with my family. And that's how I found Heritage. I came here one Thursday for um, a prayer service. It was actually the Bettendorf campus. Um, and I met Pastor Stephanie, and she showed me around. And if you know Pastor Stephanie, like, you, you'll just, you love her. You can't help but love her and just feel so welcomed by her. Um, and so she connected me to a small group that very same night that um, I first came to Heritage. And that small group was so incredible to just be able to be in a community of other believers who are your age, going through the same things. Like, if you're not in a group right now, highly encourage it. I actually have my own group that I co-lead with a friend. If you are a young adult woman in your 20s, um, <laughs> hit me up. Uh, but yeah, it was just, it was really great to, to come here and to be able to find this community here like I'd had in Ohio. So thank you guys so much for welcoming me to your church. Um, <laughs> thank you, thank you. Um, so yeah, so I was, uh, I was here, I got into a small group. By the end of the year, I was serving um, on the light board as a techie. 
I knew eventually I'd have to work my way up here. Um, so I did that. So a year after I came to Heritage, um, I got baptized. Mm. And then a year after that, I started working here and serving on the worship team. And again, if you were to tell me 10 years ago that I would be up here doing all these things that I would actually have the guts to use my voice in front of all these people, not just speaking, but singing. I have never been able to sing in front of people like I can do for God. And so I'm just so grateful that you guys have given me this opportunity to be the new person um, that Jesus wants me to be. So thank you guys very much um, for not just listening to me, but just for being here with me. Ephesians 2.10, and I speak this over Chrissy, but I speak it over all of us. For you are God's masterpiece. He has created you anew in Christ Jesus so that you can do the things that he planned for you long ago. Would you pray with me? God, I'm very aware that in this room right now are people that have yet to come into a relationship with you. Either because they didn't realize their need for it or because they very much realize their need, but they don't think they're worthy of it. Like Chrissy, they have spent so much time wanting to be in a relationship with you, but just don't feel they're worthy of it. And they can, they just don't think you're going to love them. And so God, right now I pray in Jesus' name for young adults, for teens, for adults in this room who have never said yes to you, who have never begun a relationship with you. And God, I pray right now that today would be their day. February 6, 2022 would be their day. And I want to, I'm not going to have you do anything weird or strange. Everybody else's eyes are closed. I'm wondering how many of you would just raise your hand and say, Chris, I need to begin a relationship with God today. And you would raise your hand and say, I need to start that today. Amen. Amen. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Praise God. Now, God, I pray right now for people who have already begun a relationship with you. God, there are things going on in their life, and they know it. And through what Chrissy shared, you know, when she shared, I went back home, and I just threw stuff away. And there are some of us, God, we need to throw some stuff away and move into a whole new experience in our relationship with you. And I pray right now for courage that people would do that. God, there are so many people in this room who are living out right now their before and after story. And I pray right now that there would be great encouragement for people in this room. There are some people, they just need to be encouraged. They just need to say, oh, Jesus, thank you. Just as you've done it in Chrissy, you're doing it in me. And I see you working and I see you moving. And I'm so grateful for that. And their response is just one of great gratitude this morning. They're just so thankful. There are other people, God, in this room 
and they're just crying out, oh God, I've begun a relationship with you, but I'm not yet, I haven't yet broken free of all that you have for me to experience. And I want to just declare that this morning is my freedom day. And I'm going to begin to move into all that you have for me. I'm going to get involved in a small group. I'm going to get involved in a recovery group. I'm going to get involved with some people. And I'm going to journey with them. And I'm going to experience all that God has for me. God, you delight and working out before and after stories in our lives. Thank you for what you did in Chrissy. Thank you that she's sitting here on this stage when the enemy wanted to take her out. She's a lovely young woman, so filled and effervescent with your joy. And when we think, when we think of that young gal in that hospital room, we're so thankful for a God that redeems and restores and rescues. God, I pray right now for people in this room who have children or grandchildren, and I pray that they would continue to pray up a storm and trust you to work in their lives just as you've worked in Chrissy's life. God, do what only you can do. Thank you for what you did in Chrissy. Do what you want to do in our life and do what you want to do in the lives of people around us. We want to see hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people's lives transformed throughout the Quad Cities by your power. Do that, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you thank Chrissy again for her willingness to share? Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's stories like Chrissy's that remind us of this central truth. Jesus is alive. That he's alive and he's bringing life and wholeness to us. That God wants us to know the fullness of life and body, mind, spirit, and community. I'm so grateful for the courage that Chrissy had, for what it means for us to get to, to worship as we hear of a God who lives and who lives in and through us. You know, if you listened to her story, you heard that there were a lot of different people who played a, different, a lot of different roles along the way. Um, and I want to encourage you, if you're in a space today where you feel like you have been thinking of hurting yourself or someone else, please don't. Um, in fact, I, I want you to write down a number, all right? It's six digits. 741-741. I'm going to say it again. It's 741-741. That's the National Crisis Text line. You can text the word home there or, or many others and a real-time trained counselor will start texting with you to help you process what it looks like for you to take great next steps in your mental and emotional health. God wants us to thrive in our mental and emotional health, and we want to make sure that you know we want to journey with you in that as well. So beyond resources like 741-741, we have a pastor on call 24-7. You can reach out to us, and we'll help get you connected with all kinds of different services as well. 
in real time in this space right here. You can find a pastor. We'll pray with you. We actually have some friends who are going to be at the back in the prayer area who would love to pray and process with you as you discover what God is desiring to do in and through you, wherever you're at. Part of Christy's story is that community was such a big part of experiencing the fullness of life for her. And we encourage you, get connected in community. We have groups going all the time. There's an opportunity coming up this Saturday for women to step into a brunch and learn environment and get connected in other small groups with other women. We have new groups launching regularly uh, that you can check out at heritageqc.com or in the lobby. Know that we want to journey with you as you experience the fullness of what it means to be people. Absolutely convinced of this, that Jesus is alive and he's alive in us. I can't declare that and not want to worship together. And so we're gonna sing one more song in declaration of this God who is, al who is alive and inviting us to live. We worship through hearing story, we worship in hearing the word, we worship in declaring songs like this, and we worship as we give. So as we continue in musical worship, our ushers are gonna come and serve us, serve us so we can worship in this time together through giving. If you came prepared for that, you can also give online and using the Church Center app. Friends, Jesus is alive. Friends, Jesus is alive. Yeah, and he's alive in us. So let's stand and declare together we serve the living one. Come on, let's sing this together. goes like this. We've seen what you can do, oh God of wonders. Your power has no end, no it doesn't. The things you've done before in greater measure, come on church, you will do again, come on. There's no prison wall you can't break through, no mountain you can move, all things are possible. There's no broken body you can raise, no soul that you can save, all things are possible. The darkest night. You can light it up, you can light it up, we got a revival, so let hope arise, death is overcome, you've already won, we got a Come on. There's no broken body. 
pray over you today is that as you leave here, you know that God is not finished with you yet. That God has a plan and a purpose specifically designed for you in his kingdom. So with that being said, have a blessed Sunday. We'll see you all again next weekend. If something during the service struck a chord with you and you'd like to have someone pray with you, or if you have a follow-up question is something said during the sermon, I'd encourage you to go to heritageqc.com connect and one of us on the pastoral team will reach out to you this week. That's also a great way to find out which groups, classes, and events we are offering. 
Did you know that the only place in the Bible God says we can and should test Him is in our tithing? We'd encourage you to faithfully risk with us and give with radical generosity. It is your giving to the ministries of Heritage Church that makes programs like this possible. One of the easiest ways to do this is by going to heritageqc.com give. Thank you so much for joining us for worship today, and we will see you next week.